It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are so excited to have this conversation because author Judy Battalion has written a book called The Light of Days, and it's about the girls who fought the Nazis. Judy, thank you so much for writing this book and joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So we talk about this kind of stuff on the show a lot. Like there are some amazing pieces of history that just get lost. And especially in a moment where we're all sort of, you know, we've been conditioned to fight in a resistance at this point. These are stories that we want to celebrate. Like these are you're talking about girls who took on Nazis. So let's start at the top. Like, how did you dis- how did you discover these stories, and and how did you bring them into the world? Sure. So th- this discovery was. I mean, this was a complete accident. Um, right. This is really a, a serendipity situation. I um, and 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 this project began 14 years ago. Um, I was living in London at the time, and I was exploring elements of my Jewish identity. I myself am the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors. Um, so I was writing a, a performance piece, actually, about, um, about trauma and how it passes through generations. And, and I was doing some research at the British Library, and I happened to come across this unusual book. It was um, like blue with a fabric cover and dusty. And it was an old book with gold lettering. And it was also in Yiddish. It was called Freuen in the Ghettos, Women in the Ghettos. Um, but even more unusual than the book is the fact that I speak Yiddish. So I, I start flipping through this book just because I was drawn to it, to it as an object. Um, and, and, and what do I see? I, I'm stunned by what I'm starting to read. This is a book with names and sort of short bios and even photos of dozens of young Jewish women who had fought the Nazis in the Polish ghettos. And the chapter titles are, you know, like ammunition, uh, weapons, partisan combat. And this was both in content and in tone, like nothing I'd ever read before. It was so different from the Holocaust, the World War II narrative that I'd ever grown up with. Wow. And it feels like something that should have been, like, it shouldn't just exist in a small Yiddish book. Like, this, this should have been written for a, a larger diaspora mm-hmm. of people. Um, did you, did you, I know that you talked to some of the families of these women. Or, were these histories being passed down at least orally? Like, did they understand what, what was, uh, did anybody have an explanation for why this wasn't, uh, why this wasn't a part of the canon? Right. So for me, this question was a huge part of my research. I was interested in like, what happened? What is the story of young Jewish women in, in, in the underground in Poland? And also what happened to this story? How come I didn't know it? Um, and 
yes, I did speak to many family members, and I did quite a lot of research on this very question of, of why I don't know the story. And I came up with many reasons, which I talk about in the book. Um, some of them are political. Some of them are zeitgeist. You know, we're interested in different elements of the war at different times. Um, mm. But some of them are also personal. And many of these women did not tell their story, or they told it in, in 1945, and then were quiet for decades. And the reasons are that many of them weren't believed. Many of them were accused of, you know, having fled to fight instead of helping their parents or even of sleeping their way to safety. Uh, many women felt a real survivor of guilt, um, even though they'd had these incredible um, stories of smuggling weapons and and doing espionage missions for the Red Army in the forest, they, they felt that compared to some of their survivor peers who went through Auschwitz, that they hadn't had it that bad. They almost didn't merit telling their story. Um, and, and then I think for many of them, it was a way of coping. They needed to put their past behind them to move forward in life and, and have children and create their own normal families. So one of the things I was thinking about as you were explaining why we don't know this um, history until now um, is, is also about the fact that women were just not acculturated to brag, right? I mean, if, a, yeah. if, if, if young teenage boys had done this, there would, <laughs> there would have been seven movies. They would have done the movie in black and white. Um, and then they would have remade the movie all the way up to the present, probably like starring like Ryan Reynolds or something. Right. I mean, there, you know, there there would have been this would have been sort of a pop culture thing uh, and a new version of a superhero if if it were boys. Um, Many of because they're they're like acculturated to like be like, look what I did. And, and, and yeah. women were just not we just don't brag in the same way. No, I, as I said, they even felt like they hadn't done enough to merit telling their story. These are women who are, you know, blowing up Nazi trains. Um, many of the women were, actually, were were given the role to chronicle this story, and they wrote themselves out of it. Oh, my gosh. Um, feeling like they didn't want to take up, you know, the limelight. They didn't want to take up the, the space. They, they, this, this was actually a common thing. They often wrote, they also wanted to sound objective in their testimony, so they kind of wrote their personal story out of it. Wow. Well, let's tell some stories. Like what, what is, what is the age of the girls that we are talking about? And, and tell me the one that just blew your mind first. Um, these girls were, I mean, as young as 15, 16. Um, and, you know, the leaders were like 25. So we're talking really young women who were involved. Um, I mean, all these stories blew my mind. I, 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 I can't have a favorite child. <laughs> uh, but I can tell you, uh, like, uh, let me tell you about my central character, Renya. She was 15 when the war started. She, um, she, she was ghettoized with her family. She knew she was going to be killed. She escaped. She ran through fields. She jumped off moving trains. I mean, an incredible run story. And then she found herself with the underground in this town of Beijing, where she became a courier girl. Um, which actually means these were young Jewish women. She was 18 when, this, when, the, when she took on this underground work. And she disguised herself. She dressed up as a young um, Polish, as a Catholic girl. 
um, and slipped out of the ghetto. Jews weren't allowed to leave the ghetto. So she disguised herself, would slip out of the ghetto and do missions, going to Warsaw, um, obtaining information, fake Aryan papers, planning rescue escapes, and then going to arms dealers. She would meet them in the cemetery, buying guns, ammunition, explosives, um, all to help arm ghettos for ghetto uprisings. There needs to be a movie. <laughs> like I'm seeing it in my brain and I'm like, who would it who would be the star? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I just, this is, that's an inc- moving trains. What is this like divergent? Right. I mean, I just feel like this is, this is an incredibly um, exciting story to, to learn, but it's like, I'm upset at the same time because I didn't know it before. Um, Okay, more stories. Can you tell more? <laughs> well, now you know it. This now is fantastic. you know it. Um, I mean, I could I could tell stories for for the whole morning. Um, yes, sure. I can tell you about this one woman, Vitka Kempner. She was also a teenager. Her the, she was ghettoized. The, the Nazis put all the Jews in her town into a, the synagogue and locked them in. And she escaped through the bathroom window. She ran to the town of Vilna. She joined the underground. And she was given the mission to blow up a train. She, too, dyed her hair blonde so she could look like a Catholic girl. And each night she would climb over the rooftop, slip out of the ghetto, go into the forest, find, like, go on the tracks, trying to find the right place to affix a bomb. Her friend and comrade in the underground, Rushka Korzak, was smuggling books um, to try to save Jewish books. Even Jewish books were outlawed and burned. And while she was smuggling books, she found a Finnish book that describes how to make bombs. And it had diagrams. And so she brought that book to the underground. Together, they made a makeshift bomb. One night, Vitka went out with this bomb under her jacket. She slipped through the gate of the ghetto. She made it her way into the forest, affixed the bomb on the tracks in the spot that she had found. And this was in the summer of 1942. She blew up a uh, Nazi train and this was the first time any partisan, any act of blowing up a Nazi train in all of occupied Europe. And this was done by a 19-year-old girl. Wow. Was there, do you think they had the sense that they would be underestimated of who, like, uh, Jess, you're breaking up a little bit. So I, Jess is having a little bit of um, connection issues today. So, what um, I just I'll just ask my own question and hopefully we can get Jess's connection a little bit it's clearer. The same. Um, no, 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 but I, I don't know what your question was. I swear. Um, <laughs> I I think my question is, you know, how did they come up with their plans? Like, is there was there a boss? Did they have a cue? Like, what what? Um, how did they organize themselves and and decide what missions to go on? Yeah, it's a great question. So many of the people that I write about, most of them were part of organized movements before the war. So they were part of these youth movements, these youth groups, which were really like, it's almost like the scouts, but more so. They were these emotional, um, spiritual, intellectual kind of training grounds. And so they, they knew each other. They worked together. Many times they lived together 
even before the war. So they had a kind of a structure for how these organizations worked. Um, and, and it was in at the beginning of the war, these organizations did a lot of underground help work, um, soup kitchens and feeding children and education and secret lectures and a secret printing press. Um, but as they began to realize the true kind of depth of the Nazi genocidal plan, they turned into militias. And and they had long discussions and debates about what kind of tactics to use um, and and how to how how to do guerrilla warfare against the Nazis. So, Mike, I'm going to see if I can get this in. Was okay. Was there a sense that they were underestimated because of who they were? Like, I was surprised by some of the the violence of these stories. Like, we're talking about close combat. Like, they would. They would flirt with Nazis and ply them with wine. Break it up again. But most most of the question got out, Jess. You asked most of the question. I think okay. I get it. And I will say yes. <laughs> yeah. They were, so Nazi culture was classically sexist. So, I mean, no one thought women were, I mean, these young, to them, they were just young, beautiful Polish girls. Um, no one thought that they would be uh, on missions to kill them. So, you know, there's one woman, her name was Nusha Teitelbaum. She was in her 20s. She had a history degree from Warsaw University. Um, she would dress up as a, she would dress up as a Polish peasant, as a teenager. She braided her hair. She put a kerchief in her hair and she would walk in to Gestapo homes and offices and kill them. Um, in one story, she she went to Susha, which was the head of Gestapo in Warsaw. She pretended she needed to speak to someone, you know, um, because of a personal matter. The assumption was she had gotten her pregnant and she was very pretty and all the guards were sort of flirting with her and they brought her into the office. And she just took out a gun and shot him in the head and then walked out and waved meekly at everyone and said goodbye. And she was known as Little Wanda with the braids. She was on every Gestapo most wanted list. Wow. Wow. Dude, this is a movie. Who's going to make it? Is anybody Steven listening? Steven Spielberg's going to make this like, movie. This is happening. Oh, it is happening. Okay. I wasn't just, it was just my fantasy. Okay, good. <laughs> Don't worry. We hope it's going to happen. I'm literally casting it in my head as we speak. <laughs> Maybe Steven yeah. will want to work with me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's very cinematic. It's very dramatic and very cinematic. I love that. So um, I think we have a couple more minutes here. So last question, two minutes here. Um, what, you know, what other things do you think people, the un- uninitiated should know about these women that we haven't talked about yet? Just, just anything cool and exciting. Cause this whole conversation has been cool and exciting. Um, I mean, do you mean, do you mean about, do you mean some stories of things they did? Yeah. Anything, anything, (laughs) anything else you want to add before, before we unfortunately have to break, because this has been one of my favorite segments. I'm like, oh my God, these literal superheroes, at least now they're going to get a movie. (laughs) I I mean, my whole book is filled with stories like this. So I, I, I I can't possibly choose. There's so many. (laughs) Oh Uh, gosh. There are so many. These women did incredible things. And I mean, that's the gist of it. These women had nothing. They were starving teenagers. 
and they decided to take on the German army. And, you know, that's the message, if you're asking what I think has to come across, that their acts, they may have been small, but they mattered. I mean, they're, they had meaning for them. They had meaning for the people around them. And they have meaning for us today. And, you know, this, the, even, even the smallest efforts towards fighting for, for justice and for what's fair and for freedom matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for telling us this story, like for writing this book and for bringing this story back. The, the light of days, the, unsold, the untold story of women resistance fighters in, Hitler, in Hitler's ghettos. Obviously read it before you see the movie. You're going to do both. But Judy Battalion, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.